When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, WWE Universe in the Philippines. This is Charlotte, and you're with Stan, Rowe, and Raph on the SGP Podcast. Woo! Are you ready? You're listening to the SGP Podcast. You are listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the SGP Podcast. Stan C. and Romeran recording from our own rooms this week. Uh, hey. No Camus, <laughs> no Balay, uh, no Indy, no Bucky, no T. So it's just uh, me and Ro, oh. but there will be dogs. You'll be hearing them in the background because yeah. Ro's got his dogs <laughs> in his room. Our special guest also has his dogs in his room. So you'll be hearing some yeah. dogs. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's a special episode again this week. Uh, we're recording this from our own homes because our guest uh, would, would be having a hard time getting to us otherwise. So we thought it was more practical to just record uh, like this, kind of like what we did with Dennis the Lady Killer Hui last week. Yep. Yep. So, uh, we tell them who the guest is. Uh, our guest for today, for this week's episode, is uh, no one that you may have heard of. Like He's not a big name, admittedly, but he is a big deal when it comes to us because he's helping out PWR and training the guys, myself included, Thomas included, and you know helping us be better than we already are with his knowledge and pedigree of pro wrestling. Uh, talking about Mr. Chris Quinones. All the way from the U.S., living in the Philippines for about a year, and he has the pedigree of being trained by the one and only Rocky Johnson, father of the Rock, and all was almost in the in the WWE if if certain life events had not occurred. So, he, so he's a pretty big deal, and you will find out why tonight. Yeah, in a way, his story kind of reminds me of Chili Willies. Kind of. There's a, a, yeah. a, you know, a certain life event, right? If you have a flashpoint, if that didn't happen, would things be much different than they are? You know, so right. so uh, those type of life life events, we'll, we'll get into that throughout the interview. And, you know, you'll realize how in, in, in so many ways, we at PWR, we're really lucky to get this legit training from people who've had legit experience <laughs> in pro wrestling. And, you know, um, we're really blessed. Just really, really blessed and fortunate to have uh, not these. That, not that the others who came before him, not that the others who came before him were not legit. Oh, yeah, for sure. They are all legit. They are all legit. Only one. Only one company is claiming that they're, I mean, everyone else is not legit. So, yeah. <laughs> that's Tayo legit. Yes. That's Tayo me pedigree legit. That is the takeaway so, yeah. that we want you to take from, from that little part of the conversation. Yeah. But, you know what? <laughs> uh, let, let's, let's talk about ourselves first because it's kind of weird not having Camus around. Um, I, I will say that. I mean, we've been doing this for so long. We're on our fifth year. So, every time one of us is not around, it's still weird. It's incomplete. Paren. Yeah, Camus uh, is taking time off to recover from dental work done today. Uh, get well, Camus. Uh, I think your teeth have been fixed, so I hope you'll be hearing him. Yeah, you'll be hearing him again next week. Don't worry about. it. Yeah, you'll Don't be hearing about him in stereo again. Fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for now, he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be on his on his Novocaine as he tries not to fall apart. 
so, <laughs> so for now, it's just me and Ro. Uh, we, we actually have a list of things we wanted to talk about. I yeah. think one of the things we should start on is uh, AJ Styles' championship run. No, no, no. Before, no, before, no, before AJ Styles. Everything ties back to this. Okay, so uh, Super Showdown. Talk, I, wanted, I, wanted, I wanted to talk about Super Showdown first. And sure. You, you've seen it. I've seen some of it. I, and the, the, the fact that I have not seen all of it is the, what I wanted to talk about. About today. Wait, Lang, can because, I be honest and say that I haven't yeah, seen all of it too? Like I skipped oh, wait, through okay. I skipped through a lot of it. So I skipped through uh the Cena Lashley Elias KO match. I skipped through Yumbellas and Rousey match. I skipped through the Shield match, and it was a good call knowing that there would have been a rematch on Raw than uh, like days later. Uh I also right. skipped she, uh Triple H Undertaker altogether. So okay, so again, let me, I'm yeah. glad that you mentioned that because I want to ask you why did you skip those other stuff? Uh, because they weren't under young matches of consequence that we talked about the week before. Right, right, and that's what I wanted to talk about because these shows uh, we're we're gonna have three of them this year, starting with the Greatest Royal Rumble earlier this year, and then Super Showdown uh, this weekend, last weekend, and then in a few more weeks, WWE Crown Jewel, and. I wanted to talk about how they are being positioned as big deals. They're being promoted as big deals, big events, but when they actually get around to running the show, it still feels like a big big ass house show. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it's, absolutely. It's, I saw it in the finish of say the women's championship match. Like the way right. it ended, it was basically like a TV match or it was basically like a house show match. Like you and I were, we, we've seen our fair share of live events. So we kind of know how these yeah. title matches end at a live event. So the right, way right. that Becky got herself disqualified was really par for the course. Yeah, and to me, it's super confusing because I don't know how we as fans are supposed to take these events that WWE is putting out on their network. So yes, it's a big show outside of the U.S., and then they are hyping it as, you know, uh, really big deals that are maybe first time ever elsewhere. You know, it might be the biggest show they had in Australia. And when you get to it, it doesn't feel special. You know what I'm saying? Yep, absolutely. You, you know, you know how it doesn't feel special. There's no, first of all, the card is typical house show stuff, right? It's it's stuff booked to pop the to pop the local fans. Uh, anything that that would cause the fans to go home uh, feeling good about themselves after having watched the wrestling show, they will do that. And not not like uh, in TV shows or pay-per-views where they will do everything to serve the story. You know, I think the biggest so, indicator, uh, and I'm not sure if you were going to get to that, but the biggest indicator is how you don't really change the status quo at the end of a house show. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, uh, that's pretty much what I was trying to get at, but. To me, doesn't it? So, so I know the, the next time we're gonna, the next time they have a show like this, all right, being the next one is Crown Jewel. What is your hype level for that? Uh, Knowing that these international house shows are still nothing more than televised house shows. I'm not sure if you want that, me to answer you know, it. Rhetorical, but no, no, I want you to answer it. No, it, it, it's not rhetorical. It, I want you to answer it. Okay, uh, I only care about the two title matches. That's it. Okay. It's all I care about. Yeah. And wouldn't it be better for the business, for the company, if more people tuned in to these shows because they were special, because they actually served the storylines that go on every week? It's 
more that you know that these shows are more than just a gimmick. They're more than just uh, the biggest Royal Rumble ever. They're more than just the biggest show in Australia. The more they're more than just a World Cup for the WWE. You know, why I I don't understand why it's so hard for them to actually make it a big deal. I mean, WWE runs episodes of Raw and SmackDown in London. Why why is this any different? The funny thing is they've actually done this before. Like they've done a televised house show where the status quo was rocked, and that was Beast in the East. Oh. If you remember from twenty fifteen. No, 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 uh, no, no. I, I, I Beast, Beast in the East was the first time they did uh, a show like this. But there was nothing, or there were very little implications for the main roster. The only thing of note on that card was the NXT Championship match. Did you have a showcase match against Jericho? Nun? Was it against Neville yeah, or, but it or wasn't, Balor? It wasn't, it wasn't anything special. Like, it wasn't anything status quo changing. It was just a really good match for, uh, for a crowd that was familiar with Neville. Okay. And Jericho. Okay, so what was that other instance you wanted to bring up? Uh, no, no, no. Um, I just wanted to say that these things, why couldn't it be, you know, why couldn't these shows be be part of the the story why can they be like actual moving pieces or actual assets of the larger narrative why do they have to, why do we have to act like or why do the wrestlers have to act like the these shows are big deals on raw and smackdown and then when you actually get there it's still not much it's still it's still a house show that just happens to be televised all over the world the way i see it, it now super yeah. sign for business Yeah, and and it uh, it half asked the dating business model nila na two pay per views a month. Yeah, so it really half asses it. Sayang, uh, I I wish na you know I'd rather have the two pay per views a month at this rate, because at least with the pay per view the <laughs> yeah, status quo no, would be yeah. changed, diba? I can't yep, believe yep. I'm actually asking for it, but I miss the t- uh, every paper uh, a pay per view every two weeks. I take that. Yeah. Over this shit. Now. I I miss the single brand pay per views as well. They they obviously they had more time for each of the. The roster to to flesh out from top to bottom, and uh, no, my biggest worry is that eventually, if, when people realize that these big events outside the U.S. are nothing more than house shows being televised, and they are still largely for the pleasure of the local viewing audience, people are going to eventually stop watching, I think, or uh, as we know, as we already as we already experienced now. I'm not as hyped. I wasn't as hyped for Super Showdown. I wasn't asked to finish everything. You weren't asked to watch the whole thing. What more for Crown Jewel, right? Yeah, I'm yeah, probably going to be cherry picking. Like, I'm, I'm probably just going to cherry pick my matches for Crown Jewel. Right, right. And um, okay, I guess that's. I guess that's everything I wanted to say. Uh, speaking of Crown Jewel, they have a World Cup happening, <laughs> which is <laughs> one of the most might... ridiculous things. I think it's just a renamed King of the Ring tournament. Uh, it's one of those things. Uh, it's a, it's a gimmick, another gimmick once again, to draw people to watch a show that's otherwise in for the benefit of those in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I mean, Nico gets yeah, sure you know call it a World Cup, but the U.S. is the only country that's represented. Well, so far, and the next week, either Japan or Mexico will be representing. Can As you well. really say the Mysterio represents Mexico? Yes, that's it. Yeah, I know he's from San Diego, but that guy is Mexican. <sighs> what a what a there's literally the, the word. No, no, no. The the word Mexican is literally tattooed on his stomach. 
Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's just just a silly uh, silly thing altogether. I mean, on the bright side, we're getting Ray versus Nakamura with some form of stakes, deba. Right? So on on SmackDown, pa. So I'm I'm excited for that. But the World Cup as a whole, uh, I, I'm kind of down on it. Not not really something I'm excited about. Well, it depends, I guess, on who else is representing. But oh well. So what's at stake? Because remember when Braun won the Greatest Royal Rumble? What happened to Nangyare? It's not like yeah. he changed his career. Uh, he didn't get a title yeah, shot it, after that. It's not. It's not like. It's not like Braun carried the the green and red universal championship belt around, or anyone challenged for it. Right? It's just it's nothing. Yeah. So it's kind of sad. So I'm I'm really yeah. expecting the World Cup to end up like a bunch of baloney, kind of like you know, Greatest Royal Rumble. Okay. So right, right. Um, the Super Showdown. I was expecting it to to really rock the boat. Better. The only uh, thing that changed was the cruiserweight championship. So now it's Buddy Murphy who's the cruiserweight champion. Um, I thought it was a long time coming. Well deserved. Really good match from mm-hmm. uh, both Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander. Granted, I haven't yeah, seen yeah, Two Five Live for the past month, but you know it. No, it, it was a great moment. In. Yeah, it was good. It was, really it was... good moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, I, what... I was actually hoping. I, I was actually. Afraid that they wouldn't go through with it because that's what they do with Cedric nowadays. But I'm glad that they did. And uh, even I, you, it doesn't argue, it doesn't count as an argument toward the status quo being rocked as Super Showdown because it, it, even though a title changed hands, it's still one of those things that you might expect at a show in which one of the wrestlers is from the, that town, you know, uh-huh. for the feel good hometown win. So parang other, I, if it were of any other match, uh, I think Buddy would have won anyway. And I think the fact that it was only the Cruiserweight Championship that changed hands, it also says something about how WWE ultimately views the Cruiserweight division. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't, think, uh, I don't think they're looking down on it. I just think it was the most convenient title win for them to pull off that night. All right. Uh, so you got that happening. Um, I, again, I haven't seen this week's two hundred five. So uh, none I, of the other titles changed hands, and one of the championships that we'd like to focus on is the WWE Championship held by AJ Styles. Until now, yep. So even though we're getting AJ Styles versus Dinah Bryan, probably at Crown Jewel. Yeah, it's gonna be at uh, Crown Jewel. How do you feel yeah. about how how is it? How do you feel about his, his championship reign so far? Honestly, I feel like it's gone on for too long. Like, I wanted it to end Nakamura right. palang eh. And then Samoa Joe comes in. And yeah, yeah I, I was ready. It's yeah, weird. Yeah, I, I was so ready. It's weird because AJ so, is a babyface. He's really universally beloved at this point. You know, I, uh, he, I don't think he can do anything that can get me to boo him. Pero, uh, ang tagal lang talaga. And maybe it's the fact that we live in an era where there's so much wrestling happening every week that... It, uh, this this yeah. run he's on 11 months really feels like it's been a long time unlike before now you can have Hulk Hogan be champion for 3 and 4 years pero okay lang because wrestling was different then yeah and it's not like you can hate, hate AJ either it's not like he, it's not like he's boring or his match sucks it's he's not John Cena or Roman Reigns in which their work or their body of work is uh is not that it's not as compelling as AJ Styles, right? Yep. So it really is, I think, the fault of creative. I guess I guess they're making money off him. He he's such a bankable star and he's proven that he may not have been of the WWE mold, but he is still one of their linchpins right now. But I do think it's time to give someone else I 
the the opportunity. And do you think it's going to be Dan O'Brien taking the title off him? I don't think so. Uh, are, I, are we ready for this? Do we want this to happen though? Uh, here, here's my thing with Daniel Bryan. I'm actually happy with him not being a champion. But if it if it if it ends up that he's the guy beating AJ, you think it it solves nothing to me. Why? What, what do you mean it solves nothing? I mean it solves the fact that AJ is not champion anymore. Yeah, it does. But at the same time, we've also seen. I I don't know. I guess I guess I want Bryan to win, but. Not as much as I wanted to see guys like Nakamura and Joe to win, you know? Yeah, I get that. Does that make sense? I, yeah. I do want those things too. I want Joe to be WWE champion. I want Nakamura to be WWE champion. But on the bright side, something that I don't think uh, has crossed either of our minds is if Daniel Bryan becomes WWE champion, he finally gets to go on that title defense. Because he never really had Jung, Jung run where he defended oh, yeah, yeah, the championship. True. That was always right, right. Jung hang up from his uh, main event run. Is that he never he never got to defend the top championship? So maybe we get right. to see this chapter in his arc. So maybe that's something that can make me buy into it. I think okay, I just talked yeah, myself okay. into it. Okay. I think I just talked you into it. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, maybe uh, that that chapter of of having Brian take on the AJ role of defending his championship against maybe one or two opponents, and then he can you know uh, pass it on to someone else. Okay. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, I, 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 when he does win it, I hope that he doesn't become a transitional champion, right? Oh I God, yeah. I hope more not. than that, as you said. As you said, he he never had a he never had a defense, and I think he's owed a pretty long reign. So I hope that happens. Yeah. So Aeon, um, I, I'm I'm not sure uh, what what else they really. Is to talk about, I guess. Um, other than you know, Ray coming back, they finally they, yeah. they they finally confirmed that he's coming back full time. Oh yeah, yeah. SmackDown One Thousand is happening next week. It's yeah. not a super. It's not a longer episode. Yeah, according to Dave Meltzer, it's still two hours. It's uh, going to be super packed. You've got the Undertaker coming back, Ray Mysterio making his return. You've got Evolution uh, appearing for whatever reason. So you have all of that. The Rock obviously going to be part of that. Hello, hello, hello. We'd go for three. Wait lang. Uh, we have to redo that last part. Hello? Uh, tayo? Uh, hello? 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 Yeah. Hello? Hello? Ro? Yo. Yo. Okay. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Uh, we just have to edit that last part. Ako na lang mag- magsa-start kasi ano, medyo na... Okay, sige, sige. Naputo lang. Teka. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Dave Meltzer says that uh, the show isn't going to run for an extra hour, but it is going to be super stacked. You've got all those guests coming back. You've got Evolution, The Undertaker, Rey Mysterio coming back full-time. Uh, the Rock's going to be there. I'm assuming John Cena has to be there somehow, right? Uh, I hope they bring Kurt Angle in for for, one, for that one show. So I guess that's something to get excited about for this week. I think everyone who's been part of history uh, will be doing so, so... Yeah, I mean, like Vicky Guerrero, uh, how much of a trip would that be? Edge, uh, maybe Christian. Right? So th- there's a lot. Um, it probably won't be on the same level as Raw 25, but you know, it- it's something, as Camus would say. All right. Oh, well. Yeah, for now, let's get to our interview with our guest for the week, Mr. Chris Quinones. What's up, guys? This is uh, Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb. And you're listening to the SGP Podcast. It's our second straight week where we're doing the podcast from each of our respective homes. And again, we're doing this for good reason. So I'll let Ro here introduce our special guest for the week. Okay, so uh, I don't know if you've been, uh, if you were the last PWR show, Homefront, and you may have noticed this big 
American dude hanging around the crowd. So this guy visited. He he's here in the Philippines. He visited us all the way from the United States. He's been here a week since the week before Homefront. This is a swear to God real life wrestling promoter in the U.S. He is the owner and booker, I believe, if, if that's correct, of Championship Wrestling Entertainment in Florida. Please welcome our guest for tonight, uh, Chris Quinones. Hey, Chris. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Did I get any of that right? <laughs> are you? <laughs> yeah, you got it right. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, you are here in the Philippines with us. Uh, can you tell us exactly why first? That's my, that's my first question, actually. When I found out you were coming, uh, can you can we ask you what you're doing here in the Philippines? <laughs> well, at first it was um, because for a girl, like I came here last year in May. Okay. And uh, I met this girl, and fell in love. Uh huh. Oh. And then uh, decided to up uh, money to make the move here for about a year or so. Okay. So that's why I'm here, basically. Okay, so he, uh, for those who aren't aware, he's been help Chris has been helping us in PWR. He's been training us for the past few weeks now. And I, I got to say, Camus and I, uh, the guys who are in boot camp, uh, the, everyone who's been training so far with him, we have learned so much. Like, we have, I mean, we, we know some of our stuff, but when, he, when Chris came in, he turned everything we knew on, on its head. And amazing. And amazing. Thanks. Uh, no, thank you, man. So let's get into it. Let's get into your your story. Uh, first of all, before you were a promoter and an owner of a company, you were a wrestler. So can you talk to us yeah. about how you got into the business? Well, it's always been my dream since I was like four years old. Uh, me and my cousin used to watch SummerSlam um, once a year. Um, and like we always told each other that we were one day we're going to be tag team champions, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up going to high school. You know, I haven't talked to my cousin for a long time. And once I got out of high school, um, I ended up SmackDown Pro Wrestling Academy Ooh. Um, with WWE at the time. Where is where is this uh, school? That school was in Davie, Florida. Okay. And who were the trainers in in the academy? Uh, SmackDown Pro Wrestling Academy. The main trainer was Rocky Johnson. Uh, Pat Patterson was the contractee. He was the one that handed out the contracts. Um, and th- those were who the, my first trainers were. Uh, do you remember how and much then, you had to pay? I didn't have to pay anything. <laughs> oh. Um, the only people that were were allowed in that school was people that were already contracted with WWE. Um, it was like... Um, a performance center basically uh, but back then it was very secretive so mm-hmm. had these little small little schools all around the country that were contracted by WWE um, to bring up talent so are you, are you saying that you were under WWE contract sort of yeah you can say that <laughs> how, how did that happen um I was just walking inside a mall one day and the wife of Rocky Johnson walked up to me with a business card and say, hey, you know, you have a look. You're a big dude. 
um, why don't you come and try out? And that's what happened. Uh, wow. Can you describe? Yes, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, sorry. Uh, this is one of the uh, one of the difficulties of it not being in person. But uh, I'll, I'll uh, I, I want to ask about your appearance because um, at the time uh, you said you were noticed for your size or for your look. So can you describe for our uh, our listeners who may not know how how you look? How did you look at the time that really got the attention of Rocky Johnson's wife? Well, I'm six foot two, about like almost six foot one, close to six foot two. Um, I was at the time 285 pounds. Wow. And I was a, a pretty big dude. Um, I was always in the gym. I was trying to get a uh, football scholarship in high school, and that never happened. So I was a pretty and, <laughs> and, and then when, when she walked up to you, did how, like were you planning to be a wrestler then? Or was that still in your, in your plans? Well, I thought it was so far-fetched. I didn't know anything about wrestling schools or how to get into a wrestling school. So I thought that dream was dead. That's why I tried to get into football. And I was at the right place at the right time. Uh, at first, I had no idea who she was or or anything. I didn't know. Uh, it was just that at the right place at the right time. Yeah, that was pretty serendipitous for you, man. Uh, okay, then what happened... Uh, after you got into the SmackDown Wrestling Academy, well, I was at the when I was there, I was training, and at the time I was married. Okay. And I was there for about almost two years, and they had some plans for me, and that's when they kind of offered me a contract. I took that contract home, and me and my wife at the time we read over the contract, and she told me flat out. No, I'm not doing this. And I was like heartbroken because it was my dream. And they were offering me 250000 a year at first. Wow. And Why not, though? Because all the time I would not be at home. Right, right. Out of the year, you know, I'll be working. And she was not having that. So uh, what did yeah. you do then? I ended up leaving, and uh, Pat Patterson was extremely upset um, because they put a lot of money into me. I didn't have to pay for my training, so he was pretty upset. Um, you mentioned then, that. Uh, sorry, you mentioned that the contract was worth two hundred fifty grand a year. Um, I'm I'm assuming this was a straight call up to the main roster. Do you remember which show you were going to go to? SmackDown. Uh huh. And wow. uh, what year was this? Like, uh, did you have like a story, uh, a storyline uh, in place? Well, this was back in two thousand and two, mm-hmm. and like they had huge plans for me, but I never followed through. What well, What was your gimmick then? Um, I guess it's okay to ask since it's been so long ago. What were they going to have you be? I truly don't remember that much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But that was amazing, though. Uh, you could have come in and been a star in the Ruthless, ruthless Aggression era, which, uh, you know, the, the time when Stan and myself were, were watching or got help into WWE. So yep. that that was a shame. Uh, that could have been something for you. I'm, I'm... Uh, it, it was heartbreaking. And, like, through the years, I started doing independence after that. Mm-hmm. And it was just... It was a 
just say it was humbling to me because mm-hmm. when I got back into wrestling, like that's when me and my ex-wife kind of separated. It was hard not being around it for a while. So how did you end up getting back or what happened after you left uh, the, the academy and then how did you get back in? When I left, my focus was family, you know, and trying to make my wife happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like no matter what I did, it wasn't going to make my wife happy. Like I was going through a lot of heart heartache with my ex-wife um, when it came to like she cheated several times. Oh wow! Um, she put me in the hospital a couple times. It was a very toxic relationship. We can imagine how uh, how difficult that must have been for you. So, um, is it correct to say that you found solace, you found peace in in wrestling when you got back into the industry? Yeah, like uh, it was like. A breath of fresh air when I got back into it. So how um, long were you when, away from from wrestling? I want to say maybe two two years or maybe two and a half years. So you were away from the business for about two two and a half years. That places your return somewhere around two thousand six two thousand seven. Yeah, I came back around two thousand and seven, I believe. Hmm. Uh, was there somebody who brought you in, or was there something uh, aside from uh, aside from your relationship not uh, not going the way you wanted it to? Uh, what pulled you back in, or what sucked well, you back in? I have uh, a friend of mine that was my banker. Actually, I used to bank with him, and um, he was telling me how he was a wrestler, and I was like, "No freaking way!" And he was like, "Yeah, man, um, he was part of the Market Crashers." Mm-hmm. And they were like <laughs> the market crashers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, he was a pretty big tag team back in Florida, and he was the one that got me back into it. Um, he uh, teamed me up with Rusty Brooks and Norman Smiley. Oh, so I started working with them for a while. Okay, and then after that, what happened? Um, how did did did, did that just lead into uh, you? remaining in wrestling full-time for a little bit yes um my very first match back was with connor from the extension oh and um at first connor did not like me because you know i kind of had a an inflated head you know coming out of the e mm-hmm. so yeah that i was the best thing coming out you know mm-hmm. it was a very humbling experience um, how they just put me back down to the level where, you know, we're all the same. Right. You know, put check your ego at the door. Then uh, how long until uh, you ended up with CWE? I started CWE in 2009. Okay. So that was not long after your comeback. Right. Can you tell us a story about uh, of that? My sister was like, you know, this is your passion. This is what you love to do. Um, why don't you start up your own wrestling company? And I was like, you know what? That's a great idea. You know, and there's no wrestling in Port St. Lucie. So we're like, I was like in no, like there was no territory there. So I was like, all right, what? I'm going to do this. And then she was like, well, let's open it up as a nonprofit organization to help kids. And I was Ooh. Yes, let's do this. You know, I was so gun ho. And then my sister ended up passing away in October of 2009. 
Oh, sorry to hear that. So I was devastated, mm-hmm. and I stopped everything for a little bit, and I believe I had my very first show in 2011. Uh, you mentioned taking a break and then having to come back in and train, uh, train uh, with the likes of Norman Smiley, having to work with Connor. Um, as someone who'd already been through the ringer of wrestling school, did you find yourself experiencing ring rust, or was it easy to pick up where you left off during the breaks that you took? Well, of course, you're going to always have a little bit of ring rust, but it's one of those things that you get back in there and you don't really forget, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just bringing back up your cardio, getting back your strength, because people think that, you know, wrestling, if you're in the gym all the time and you get into the wrestling ring, is a piece of cake. It's yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It, Definitely not. Um, no one is prepared for the ring unless you're in there in the ring all the time. Right. Do you remember what uh, what gimmick or what character you used when you went, uh, when you made your comeback? I was Christian Genesis. <laughs> so who was Christian Genesis? Christian Genesis was the beginning and the end. I was the alpha and the omega. Um, no one can go through me. I was, yeah, I was kind of like the Bible thumper guy. <laughs> oh, Christian... <laughs> Genesis. Uh, <laughs> all right, I see what you did there. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> okay, so um, it was Christian Genesis, uh, something that you stayed with as a gimmick all throughout, even until the 2010s, or did you have other gimmicks going through the indies? Well, I had some that was not like, like I was Damien at one point. That didn't last long because you always want to find what, who you are, and what's a part of you. That's the part of. And I could never put my foot into something that I truly believed in. And when I was Christian Genesis, I felt a little bit of me in that character because I am a Christian, you know, I believe Mm -hmm. God. And so when it came to my promos, I believed in what I was saying. And you have to make the fans believe what you're saying, too. Did you grow up in a very religious and conservative household? Like, is that something you identified with? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> My family is are huge Christians. Okay, so that's where you drew the Bible thumping act from. Yeah, basically. Was there ever any resistance from your family like when you first started when you when you were training at the SmackDown Pro Wrestling Academy or when you were uh, applying your trade in the Indies, uh did they have anything to say about you being in the industry at all? Yeah, actually my parents didn't know I was pursuing professional wrestling at the time. Um I kind of hide that away from them because they didn't want me to do it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was also pursuing football, I couldn't tell them because my family didn't want me getting hurt. So I had to hide a lot of my sports from them. So what would you tell them? What What did you say you were doing? <laughs> I was like, oh, I have an activity after school. I'm hanging out with my friends when I was really training. And even even a guy your size, like it never crossed their mind that uh, their son, who was six foot two, two eighty, would be engaging in a rough physical activity. I don't think they really had a clue, because like when I told them about what what I was doing, I was already married, but I was out of the business already. Mm-hmm. So oh. I told them I was like, yeah, I kind of skipped my you know sixth period class just to get into training, <laughs> or. <laughs> You know, this is the reason why I was missing for so long because I got in <laughs> wrestling. My mom kind of like, you know, you're not 
that old for me to whip your ass? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you're always going to be my baby boy. So when I told her the truth, like, she hit me real hard. And she's like, why did you lie to me? <laughs> But did they ultimately I'm watch glad. a show? They never seen me wrestle before. So until now, they've they, never they seen you. No, they never seen me wrestle before. But They don't uh, want to see you getting hurt, right? Exactly. But right, I, I know how that feels. <laughs> <laughs> but like when I started doing my own shows, my family, you know, helped me ran the company. So okay. she loved, like, she became a wrestling fan through my shows. So she had her favorite wrestlers, and like she was so into it. And to this day, she tells me that how much she misses it. And she was like, I wish that you were home so we could do wrestling shows again. What did they say when you told them you were going to be living here for a, a year? They were a little upset, but they understood why. Okay. You know, like, I'm still her baby boy, you know, and she still wants me home. But she understands why I'm here. You know, I told her that, you know, I'm not going to be single for the rest of my life. And I did find someone that I truly loved at the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> so, from 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 your story, I I, I understand that you stopped your promotion uh, to come here. So, how did how easy or how hard was that decision to make? It was very hard because I love my business. I love what I do. But like the students that I'm, I was training over there, they want to start doing shows for me, like in the state. I'm pretty sure we're probably, we're probably going to start ending up doing shows still. Okay. It's going to just take time um, and planning. So the promotion that you're running, is it just a promotion or does it have a school as well? Because uh, you know how there are some promotions that have both. Uh, so do you also train uh, students to eventually become pro wrestlers? Yeah, I actually still have three students that train at my house um, every Saturday morning. So what they'll do is like they'll open up the garage and set up the ring in front of my house, and then I'll be on video call <laughs> instructing them oh. step by oh, step. Seriously? Dude. Wait, so this <laughs> happens until now, like while you're here in Manila? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's insane. That that is dedication, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they they love it, and I love doing it. And one of my students, my oldest student, he's uh 49 years old. Wow. And. Uh, He was like, I don't know how this is going to work with you over there. And when we had our first training session, he was like, wow, this is working perfectly. <laughs> like, like, hey, whatever man, works, works, right? Guys, all the way from over here. So uh, how many students have gone through your, uh, your training um, in, in your school? And uh, do you have a trainee who's uh, gotten on the WWE's radar or has gotten on the radar of promotions like New Japan or Ring of Honor or Impact? Well... I had well the my guy that's like he's like six foot five. He's he just turned forty nine years old this year. Okay. Um, we went to an NXT um, house show, and it was um, ran by Norman. So when he saw me out, I out and about. Um, Norman stopped me and he was like, "Oh my god, I haven't seen you in forever." And my student was with was with me. Yeah, and he was like, "Oh." Are, You guys, are you training him? And I was like, yeah, I'm training him. He's um, he's one of my newest students. And he was like, is he ready? Like, he was ready to, you know, give him a tryout. 
And I was like, whoa, no, 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 no. He just started. <laughs> Don't, you know, he's not ready yet. And he was going to pick up like right away. I'm not sure how this is going to come across, but does your student look 49? Like, you know how there are some people who look younger than their age, right? And uh, 49 is, you know, some people would say that 49 is way too late to get into any industry, let alone pro wrestling. So um, th- was there something in your student that, say, didn't really make him look 49 or something that immediately caught the attention of Norman Smiley? Yeah, he didn't look 49. Like, well, at the time, he was, like, 46 years old at the time when that happened. Mm-hmm. And he did not look 46 years old at that time. And he was in great shape um, because he's uh, he's basically like a bodybuilder. Okay. And he just loved his size. And that's what Vince looks for is, like, the size, and then everything else comes later. <laughs> right, <laughs> Because right. one once he sees that you have the look, they could always create a superstar around that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of uh, similar to what happened with you, right? Because that was the first thing that Rocky Johnson's wife saw in you was the look, and then from there, from there, they they could just build a superstar from from like, the ground up. If they see money, like because that's the first thing they see, like if they see you, and you have the appearance of a superstar, they're they're going to try to. It's out of this world. I mean, look what they did with Batista. You know, mm-hmm. he's a huge star now. Mm-hmm. With with you, um, like, what specifically did they work on? Because you mentioned that they really invested a lot of time, effort, and money in you. So, do you remember the specific things about your game that they really focused on? In ring footwork, making me look believable of everything I did in that ring, uh, making things make sense of why I did it. All that stuff is it's put into what you do in the ring. Um, if you're a big guy like me and you're doing all these flippity-floppily moves, it's not believable. Mm-hmm. They, they have to make you look believable. When you were going through training, what was the one thing that you found most difficult or most challenging to, to master? That's a good question. When I first started training, like I was in fear of roles. Front rolls, I was <laughs> oh, afraid. I've, I I've found a kindred why. spirit. Like you would think it's bumping because it's not things that we do is not natural. You know, it's not natural for the human body to do. So right. backwards is like it's terrifying. Taking bumps was the easiest thing for me to do. The rolls, <laughs> I was like, I was afraid to uh, fall on myself. Like I was afraid to break my neck and on a roll and rocky used to be so used to get so pissed at me and he used to like beat my ass every time um i was afraid of doing something you'll literally beat the the fear out of me because they say if you fear something that's when you make mistakes Mm -hmm. so you take that fear out and just do it all right probably should beat you son (laughs) oh uh please don't please don't (laughs) so okay uh you mentioned uh that in the in between or, or between uh, training with Rocky Johnson and then going back to the Indies, it was a very humbling experience for you. Um, what about it specifically stuck to you, or like uh, what what was your biggest takeaway from that uh, from that experience when you said that you were brought back down to uh, a, a low place? It it was very humbling because no matter where you're at in this business, everyone is the same, and no one is better than anyone else. We're all love this business. 
it doesn't matter if you're making millions or it doesn't matter if you're only making $20. We love this business. We must protect each other at all costs. All right. Another thing that really stuck out to me was how your original vision alongside your sister was for your wrestling company to be a nonprofit. Your wrestling company right now, is it a nonprofit and were you able to, or were you able to, uh, to take steps to try and reach that goal? Yeah, um, my wrestling company is a nonprofit organization. Um, our DBA is Champion Entertainment. And so the Breakthrough Foundation is help kids. Um, we're try- we were trying to open a uh, like a, a true community center for the for the for the community. So at risk, not only at risk boys and girls can go and have a place to be, but the community as a whole has a place to be. And we don't really have that in my community. We have a lot of problems, like when it comes to drugs, alcohol, um, teen pregnancy. Like, I wanted to make a difference in helping them, you know, eat and make their dreams come true. So, from a business standpoint, how does that work? Because um, wrestling, as a as an industry, uh, revolves around uh, the for profit scheme, right? So, uh, it, it's hard enough for uh, smaller promotions to have regular income, regular audience members and all of that. So how are you able to manage uh, keeping your, your promotion as a nonprofit while making sure that the business stays afloat? Well, a lot of people, um, they have their, what do you call it? They, they think because they see, they hear nonprofit means they don't make a profit, which, you know, nonprofits do make a profit, um, but it's to go back into what you're doing. Um, especially when it comes to your programs. So you get donations, you know, you fundraise, and with the money that you fundraise, you use that money to help in different projects of what you're trying to do. So when we did wrestling shows, um, yeah, I had to pay some of the workers. Like guys like Rhino that believed in what we were doing would come in to help out. Um, We would have to pay him something, but... It wasn't like something that was huge, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because get back to what we were doing. Um, guys like EC3, um, he used to come in and help us out too. We used to do stuff with um, with Robbie E. We used to do um, seminars. We had Thrasher of the Headbangers come in and do a couple of seminars. I know when we had our wrestling school, he was he was a side trainer with me, raising money, trying to get these programs together. That's how, you know, things were working to get, like, how things were working as a whole. So right now, since you're in the Philippines, that uh, the promotion had to take a hiatus. Yes, a little bit, because people don't understand how the business is ran, especially a nonprofit business. Mm-hmm. With me being here, I had to just let it, not close it down, but just let it stand still for a while until I get back. What's the biggest thing... Uh, about running a promotion or running your own business, especially in wrestling, that uh, you wish everyone knew off the bat? When it comes to pro wrestling, like, I, I wish, like, some of these people that ran promotions or wrestling, like, to understand the business a little bit more, to understand what these guys go through on an everyday basis. You know, some promoters out there are just out there because they love wrestling or they're, they're a mark of wrestling, but they don't know the wrestling business. Get to know the wrestling business business first before you open up a wrestling promotion. Understand it. 
before you run a wrestling promotion. Okay. I think that's fair. How about um, if, if you could give yourself, your younger self, a piece of advice? Let's say you could uh, write a letter or uh, get in a fo- on a phone call to your younger self back when you were still just trying to make it in. You were in the SmackDown Pro Wrestling Academy. What's the one thing you would tell your younger self today? <laughs> uh, don't listen to my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling you'd say that. You're going to end up getting a divorce anyway. Just stick to it because either I would have stood in WWE or I would have went to Japan. You know, there's so many places I could have went with it um, right. to follow my dream. And if my ex-wife truly loved me, <laughs> she would have supported me, not don't support me. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep, absolutely. Did you never try uh, reaching out to promotions in, say, Japan or Mexico to try to get yourself out there? Um, recently, I ended up working with New Japan. Um, wow. I, it was in June, I think. Uh-huh. I ended up working with New Japan over in Daytona, and that was right. an experience. A friend of mine um, ended up booking me and a couple of my students to help set up the, the show. I ended up working backstage in the gorilla position, and it was a very, very humbling experience. It was awesome. As far as your in-ring career goes, uh, do you still get in the ring? Do you still wrestle, or have you hung up your boots? Oh yeah, I can't. I don't believe I could wrestle anymore. Um, I got into a car accident back in 2010. My body is totally messed up from that car accident, so I just. I live through my students now, and my goal is to see their dreams come true. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm here in the Philippines and I'm working with PWR, um, my job is to make their dream true. That means a lot to us, especially here in uh, the Philippine wrestling scene where, as you may know, there really isn't much of a pedigree to go on. Like, we're making the pedigree ourselves. We're making the, writing the blueprint as we go along. So uh, given that the industry is so young, so fresh, so green, uh, what have you noticed firsthand? Um, you know, what have you noticed about the industry firsthand that you really want to uh, contribute to? Yeah, well, when, when I was with my girlfriend at the time um, when I was planning to move here I was looking through to see if there was any wrestling here in the Philippines Yeah. the first thing that popped up was PWR Mm -hmm. and so I looked at a couple of the videos and I was like wow these, these kids have heart they have passion for this they love this and they're not doing it right like it it it's um I'm not saying that they're not doing it right. I can't say that. It's, there's a better way of doing it. Just put it that way. There's a better way of doing it. A lot easier and safer way of doing it. Um, and I fell in love with it. Like, I fell in love with PWR because of the heart and passion of it. When I got a hold of Thank Mark, you. And I, I told Mark, I was like, look, you know, my name is Chris. Like, I introduced myself. And I told him that, you know, I'm going to be coming to the Philippines. And I found out that the school was only about six minutes away from where I'm going to be living at. <laughs> it was, you know, it would be an honor of 
if I was able to, you know, come down and, you know, help with the school. And he was all for it. And I was truly grateful and truly honored, you know, that he's even letting me, you know, help with, you know, the, the training. Do you remember the first match you saw from PWR or the first uh, PWR wrestlers that caught your eye? I don't remember. I, I saw several, several matches, and I don't remember which matches they were. <laughs> So you just knew that uh, as soon as you saw PWR, you saw the passion, you saw the fire, and you wanted to be a part of it and contribute in your own way. Yes. Yes, I did. So, as soon as yeah. I saw it, like, I was like, yes, these are the kids that I want to work with. Because it's it's easier to work with people that have the love and passion for it than it is for someone that just wants to be in this business for the money. Yes, well, to be fair, there isn't much money in the in the local scene right now. So I think everyone you, or most people you want to work with or you're going to work with here are doing it for the love of wrestling. So I think you stumbled into a good place. Yes, yes. I, I when, Especially when I had my first training session with you guys, like over in PWR, mm-hmm. um, like I felt it. Like I felt it. And I was like, I'm in the right place. And my loyalty stands with you guys, with uh, PWR, like. This is where I want to be. These are the kids that I want to teach. I'm just hoping that you guys learn and absorb it like a sponge. Uh, everything you teach us is so much, so much knowledge that we never had before, and so much knowledge that we never thought uh, was there. I was out there, so uh, I'm really glad that we have your pedigree to uh, to help us, uh, so so help us grow as wrestlers. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for having me here. I, I guess <laughs> as we wind down here, I want to ask about your first time watching a local show among the Filipino audience. Uh, what were your expectations of a local show or of the interaction with the local crowd? And uh, did your expectations get met? Well, here in the Philippines? Yep. The first thing I saw was the production was amazing. Mm-hmm. The storytelling, like when it comes to story and promo – is amazing. Even when you guys talked in Tagalog, yeah. and I don't yeah. understand what you're saying, but I felt it, that's saying something. You know, the crowd, no matter how many botches they were in a match, would pop for it. And normally in the States, if you mess up in a match, they say, you effed up. Yeah. You know, there's more appreciation here. And I believe because there's really no wrestling here, and all you can do is see it on like Tuesday mornings <laughs> when they yep. when they see that there's actual wrestling going on here and they can actually see it live on a Sunday have, afternoon yeah they have more of appreciation for it and you guys have something here that could be huge and I was like just imagine just imagine when there's no botches just imagine when there's a storytelling when it comes to in-ring work and a build-up to the finish of that product, how hard they will pop after that. Right. It's like, wow. <laughs> it was a, it was mind-blowing to me. So uh, when you were watching Homefront, because that was the first show you'd watched live, right? Um, is it yeah. hard for you to take off your coach hat and then just put on your fan hat? Or is it something that you just can't remove? Like when you watch it, you always have to look at it from the lens of a coach. 
ever since I got into this wrestling business, I've I, I watch wrestling and I even when I watch WWE, I'm saying you did that wrong or this you should have done this better mm-hmm. or I I can't watch it as a fan anymore. It's hard. Even when I watch it with friends, like when we watch the pay-per-views together, when I have friends that are never or never in the business, yeah, I try to enjoy it with them, and it's hard. So when I was watching um, PWR Live, my coach hat was always on the whole time, and it was hard for me to enjoy it just as a fan. But there was times that, yeah, I was enjoying it as a fan, but it was like a split second, like, nope, I have to put my on. Is it hard though? I mean, like, I I can imagine how crazy that must be because I, in a way, I can relate when it comes to radio, which is uh, my industry. So, um, you mentioned that it's just hard for you to enjoy. So, are you saying that it's just uh, basically impossible for you to find that unadulterated joy when you watch wrestling now? Yeah, yeah, you can say that. Okay, because like, yeah, I, uh, I I guess I just want to commiserate because I kind of know how that feels, and it's kind of frustrating because you really love the industry, you love what you're trying to take in, and yet you can't turn that part of your brain off. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah. So okay, um, as we end the interview, I guess I want you to address our listeners, especially those who may be thinking about getting into the business, because at the end of the shows, there's always got to be that that one guy who'll come up to one member of the staff, the crew, the roster, and say, you know, I've always wanted to be a pro wrestler. I've always wanted to try a boot camp out. As someone who's been through the journey that you have, uh, what can you tell that one guy who will come up to a Jake DeLeon and a Chris Panzer and tell him, hey, I want to join boot camp one day? To find a wrestling school, don't give up. If there's one near you, go to it and train. If there's one that's an hour or, or further away, still try your best to get to that school and do it. Don't give up on your dream. Um, don't let someone tell you you can't do it. Because if you feel in your heart that you can then you do it. And if ever anybody wants to hook up with your promotion, even though it's on hiatus right now, where can our listeners find you? You could go on Facebook and you could look me up at Christopher Quinones or you could look up Championship Wrestling Entertainment on Facebook, um, cwepro.net. Yeah, you could look me up. All right. And in case anyone's wondering, uh, you're not Filipino, right? Because there are Pinoys here who, who are, uh, whose last name yeah. is Quinones. So you're not Pinoy, are you? No, I'm not Filipino. I am. <laughs> I'm Puerto Rican. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> that that answers the question. Chris, yeah, that answers a lot of things. <laughs> right? Chris, thank you so much for taking time out. and, and Thank you, Chris. Ho- hopping on this call. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to learning more from you in the coming months and seeing you at the shows. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks, man. God bless you guys. Thanks once again to Chris Quinones for hopping on the podcast and joining us this week. You know, you can really tell from his stories that he's been through a lot. And personally, I'm just really grateful that he's still in the industry. He's plugging away and that he's chosen us at PWR as his next students. So it's always nice to have somebody who's been through a lot sharing his experiences with us. And hopefully we can learn something uh, more from him. And hopefully it helps us improve our shows. So if you notice that the quality has been improving, then... That's one more person you can thank, and his name is Chris Quinones. Now, Rose not here with me to close out the podcast because of some technical difficulties on both our ends. So let me just give you our picks of the week real quick. So for Roe, it's Tony Nice versus Cedric Alexander on 205 Live. Main story being that it has a story. 
that it's about Cedric Alexander being questioned by everyone. Is he ready to have a match so soon after just losing the Cruiserweight Championship to Buddy Murphy in Melbourne, Australia during Super Showdown? And by the end of it, Tony Nese beats Cedric Alexander and it really plants the seeds of doubt. Finally, after having such an invincible year, after having been undefeated prior to Super Showdown, it knocks Cedric down a peg and gives his character a bit of humanity. Like It, it makes him... It, it shows that he's not as invincible as everyone thought he was. On my end, my pick of the week is the well-executed double turn on Raw between uh, Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush and Kevin Owens. So Leo Rush, you know, he's never really been a babyface in WWE. Uh, he's, I mean, people do cheer for him, I guess, because he's got swag, he's athletic, uh, he can do all these crazy things in the ring. But at the same time, so it's easy to root against him. And then you have Bobby Lashley, who, yeah, you know, his his comeback hasn't really turned out the way we'd all wanted it to. And I guess part of it is because he'd been shoehorned as a conquering hero. And yet, he's kind of been like, he, he kind of took the place of Braun Strowman as the baby face who's actually kind of a dick. So it's nice that they really leaned into these tendencies and they finally had Bobby Lashley turn heel. And as for Kevin Owens, yeah, he can be an asshole as well. We've seen him be a heel, but it's nice and refreshing to finally see him be the babyface because now he's getting the, uh, the crowd on his side. He's flipping all over, which you know, he has been doing them in the past, but now people have a reason to cheer for him. And that's because he's actually being bullied, kind of like what he was going through when he was in the Braun Strowman feud. So it's nice to see that. Uh, somebody in the back is finally listening and we're getting babyface Kevin Owens and heel Bobby Lashley. So it's refreshing. I love the execution of the double turn. It was so sudden. I didn't see it coming at all. And now it's just all up to the follow-up because WWE has been notorious with executing something well and then falling short or dropping the ball when it's time to follow up. So I don't know. Uh, I'm excited for this. I can't wait to see Kevin Owens as a babyface having to deal with, say, a returning Sami Zayn who's a heel or Kevin Owens interacting with the rest of the roster given that he still has carte blanche given to him by acting general manager Baron Corbin. How does he deal with Braun Strowman? How does he deal with The Shield? How does he deal with Finn Balor who he bullied before? All these things. It opens up a lot of possibilities for Kevin Owens. So I'm really excited for this and that's my pick of the week. Right now, I just want to say thank you once again to everybody who's been downloading, subscribing, rating the podcast. You have no idea how much this really helps us. So if you haven't done so yet, please do give us a five-star rating on iTunes or on Buzzsprout or on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any feedback you want to send our way, here is how you do it. First, it's at the SGP Podcast on Facebook, Twitter. Speaking of social media, for us individually, it's at Row is War for Row. At Caveman Camus and at underscore Stan C with an SY at the end for me. And before we let you go, PWR Live Shake, Wrestle, and Roll is going to be on October 21 at the Shaw 500 Events Pavilion along Shaw Boulevard. Tickets are on sale. You can get the discounted rate, 350 pesos per ticket and 999 pesos for the Barcada bundle for three. And at the gate, we'll be selling them at 400 pesos a ticket. And then after that, October 28th, do check out our friends from MWF. It is MWF for Todos Los Wrestling. I believe it's still at uh, the UP Bahay ng Alumni. And if I'm wrong about that, then I'm going to take the heat. Uh, obviously, I, I'm, I'm just doing this off the dome. But it's going to be on October 28th, last Sunday of the month. So back-to-back Sundays, back-to-back wrestling shows here 
in the city. Right now, on behalf of our guest Chris Quinones, on behalf of the indisposed Raf Camus, and on behalf of my tag team partner Romaran, my name is Stan C, and we are out of here. Peace out. Hey, this is for online. Can't steal it. Wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, dripping, son of a gun. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 